is Ron Oral, and you're listening to the Activist Investing Today podcast. And I'm super excited to be here with Kurt Schultzka, Associate Professor of Accounting and Law at the University of North Georgia. Uh, Kurt is also a Director of Law, Ethics, and Regulation at Kennesaw State University's Corporate Governance Center. He and I have talked on governance matters on and off for, it seems like, a decade almost, five, at least over five years. He serves on two boards and as an attorney advises directors and C-level executives on corporate governance and compliance matters. And uh, he has been an expert witness on SEC whistleblower cases uh, and has lots of uh, knowledge in the corporate ethics world. Uh, Professor Schultzke, Schultzke, excuse me, thank you for taking a little time to talk with us. Hey, thanks, I appreciate the opportunity. Okay, cool. So one of the subjects that uh, we loved uh, talking about uh, on corporate governance, and actually one of my personal favorite corporate governance issue is the issue of overboarded directors. Uh, we'd, like, we'd also talk sometimes about over tenure directors, but I went and got some interesting statistics from BoardX, which is a service of the deal, um, and found that there were 450 people at S&P 500 companies, these are you know, the biggest companies in the US that sat on four boards, uh, 170 people who sat on four boards at S&P mid-cap 400 companies, and 137 people at S&P small-cap 600, 600 uh, index boards that sat on, where they sat on four boards. And then I found, we found with BoardX that there were 86 people at S&P 500 companies who sat on five plus, so five or more than five. Some sat on six or more boards and a few S&P 500 companies. 37 directors sat on five or more boards at S&P 500 company at, at uh, sorry, 37 sat on five or more boards in the mid cap 400 and index and 36 individuals sat on five or more boards in small cap 600. And it uh, seems like a lot of those directors, particularly those in S&P 500 companies, are overboarded. So I wanted to turn it over to you, uh, Professor Sotska. Tell us a little bit about, um, it seems to me that if you're sitting on five plus boards and you're on an S&P 500 company, that's, that's uh, you know, that's, that's fairly overboarded. No? Like you, how do you uh, manage your obligations if you're on five S&P 500 boards as these 86 people? That we found that the uh, that BoardX found uh, have those obligations. Yeah, it's a it's a great question, um, and you know there's there hasn't been a ton of research on this issue. Like like you say, you've you've uh, there's got you got some information there from BoardX. Um, BoardX uh, is um, has got a lot of good data. It's it is also missing some data. So you get some good figures on on the uh, the public boards that these people are sitting on. But um, the data on on the non-publics uh, is a little is a little bit um, scarce sometimes. But um, certainly there is this. It's a valid concern. Um, you know the the notion that people would be sitting on five or six boards. Um, I, and, and in fact, um, in terms of uh, just S and P five hundred boards, uh, the two thousand seventeen uh, board X data. Uh, show that there are, you know, if we can, if we can believe it, there's some people who are actually on, um, I don't know, eight to 10, four, even up to 14 uh, public boards. Um, so, so there is a, there's a wide range. Those guys are outliers. Um, if you look at where, where most of the, um, most of the companies are falling or most of the directors are falling in terms of number of companies or number of boards that they sit on, um, the median for, um, 
for listed boards uh, in 2017 uh, was actually two. And, and so you've got, um, you've got, you know, quite a few outliers uh, on the, on the high side of that. And then, and then a good chunk that is, you know, maybe a little bit lower than that as well. Um, on the non, on the, on the unlisted boards, um, the median uh, for, uh, you know, the, as far as we can tell is, is about one, uh, one board seat per, per S and P 500 director. So there was um, there was a, a study done by uh, some analysts at Credit. That's Suisse. by the way, that's uh, Bordex data that you use to get those non-listed directors as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And because I did this big uh, this article a few years ago before Wilbur Ross became uh, Commerce Secretary, uh, we did this study about uh, finding that he was well overboarded, and a big chunk of the boards that he was on were these private boards that were. Um, that were uh, uh, companies that were part of, you know, either had been or were currently part of his W.L. Ross private equity firm. But these private boards are important. Some of these private companies are huge as well, right? So it's important to like, uh, if you're on a bunch of public boards and a bunch of private boards, the private boards are, are, are not to be ignored, right? Yeah. So, so uh, I took a look at um, uh, U.S. News has out their, um, their 2019, uh, the best companies, 10 best companies to invest in. Mm-hmm. And, and of those 10, six of them are S&P 500 companies that, that uh, I had Vortex um, data for. And so if you look at companies like uh, we're, we're talking about in this group, there's Starbucks, Facebook, J&J, um, uh, Berkshire Hathaway B, Centene, and Apple. And, and if you go down the list and look at the average number of, of um, listed board seats per board member, uh, it runs anywhere from 1.6 on the low end. That's with Starbucks and Facebook mm-hmm. uh, up to Apple where um, they're, they're holding down two and a half board seats. J&J has got 2.3. And are those two and a half or, th- or uh, public board seats or are they mix of public? Yeah, public. List, public. list okay. companies. Wow. So, so um, I, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, these are, you know, these are high performing companies and they, you know, they've got some strategic issues, some of them, of course. Um, but um, but certainly, I, I would say that, that two board seats is not too much. And I think that there are a lot of folks that may be able to hold down three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Credit Suisse, I was mentioning they did this study back in 2014. And they, uh, they sh- their study showed um, a correlation between return on equity and the number of board seats that um, were held uh, by, uh, by companies in the S&P 500. And it was for uh, 2011 through 2015. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a pretty clear, clear separation between um, the companies that average um, one board position per board member uh, compared to those that have uh, that average more than one board position per per board member. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you know if you look at the Credit Suisse data, um, you you know you can argue yeah um, you know there is some kind of a, a relationship there. Um, it's you never know though what other factors are involved, and so. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of value you can get out of big data, but you also have to you have to temper it with uh, you know with some good um, uh, subject matter uh, you know domain expertise and yeah. Part and, of me wonders if I should do a feature looking at uh, the largest U.S. banks and the directors and how many other boards they sit on because personally, you know, I covered the financial crisis uh, extensively uh, uh, in the period uh, 2008, 2010. And, you know, part of me wonders whether if you're a director on, you know, one of the largest U.S. banks, you know, that's a huge obligation. I mean, these are banks with thousands of employees, tens of thousands of employees all over the world with very complicated 
businesses. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, I, I definitely know that some of these directors are on multiple boards. So yeah. I guess that's a way of kind of, uh, getting, uh, getting into my, my question about if you're on an S and P 500 company board, a really big company board, that, that seems to me, that's a much bigger obligation than if you're on a small cap board. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of kind of depends on how many directors are in the company and and you know, what what the company is um, what what it's involved in and what what challenges it's facing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think I think as a general proposition, it's it's fair to say that if you're on a public public company board, um, that that you should be expecting to put in more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there there have been uh, there have been some studies on uh, the number of hours that uh, is required for sitting on a board. Uh, one study. Uh, it was mentioned uh, in a Market Watch uh, Market Watch article. Uh, they were coming up with uh, 278 hours a year, I think it was, for mm-hmm. for a public company board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's a big that's a big investment. And, and it's so it's 270 big. hours. So if you're on five public company boards, that's uh, that's a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, of course. If you're you know if you say if you round it up to 300, you're on five boards. That's 1,500 hours a year. But it's not it's not just the hours per se because it's it's uh, it's also just kind of kind of uh, attention you know your emotional attention and and uh, you know what you're, what you're thinking about it in in your downtime if you've got five companies that you're that you're uh, you know on board with uh, there's a lot of strategic thinking that you got to be doing uh, I just I just I don't, I'm not sure that most people you know that many people have that kind of bandwidth to uh, to manage that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it's a question. And I'm sure that these, some of these directors are kind of, that's what they do. They just sit on boards. And a lot of them are ex-CEOs. Of course, the yeah. uh, the, the proxy advisors, Institutional Shareholder Services and, and Glass-Lewis, basically issues negative, no recommendations against directors that are on more than five boards. I, mm-hmm. I believe that's their cutoff. And uh, they also, CEOs, they're kind of look frowned upon CEOs who sit on more than two boards. They are in, you know, their own and one other one. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on CEOs who sit on uh, multiple boards? I mean, they really need to be focusing on the company that they're running. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have serious misgivings about, about the, uh, the CEOs and, and, you know, CFOs and those kinds of folks that are uh, you know, supposed to be working full time at a company being on more than one or two other boards. Um, I, I think, I think it's a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know how you can, how you can do that. But you've got a lot of these directors that are, I mean, the average age, I think of public company directors, what 63, I think is what, what the, uh, the latest data are. And uh, so some of these folks, that's all they do. As you mentioned, you know, they're, they're just, they're just directors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so then there's this other issue that's, uh, you know, going to be a big issue for 2019. Uh, we're seeing a lot of shareholder proposals trying to get companies to, set up their uh, their systems so that in, when they're looking for new directors, they are uh, trying to find diverse candidates. So the more women, more minorities in the pool of candidates uh, that they think about when they're trying to find a director, I guess the with the goal ultimately being getting more more diversity on boards, more women on boards. And, um, but, uh, uh, you know, we had that uh, we found uh, using BoardX, we found some interesting statistics to show that, uh, you know, there's aren't a lot of women that are, uh, a lot of women are on like one or fewer boards. There's a small amount that are on five, uh, five boards, but, um, you know, doing a little bit of research into this, I did a big feature about this not too long ago. 
found that uh, it's you know, a lot of companies are are nervous about bringing on uh, you know anybody, a man or a woman uh, that has never been on a board before. And uh, mm-hmm. so this is one of the reasons that corporations argue, and I've spoke to the National Association of Corporate Directors about this, um, that corporations argue why there aren't more women on, on boards because there just isn't enough of a pool of, of women candidates that have, uh, that have some board experience. Once you're on one board, apparently it's much easier to get on a second board and then maybe mm-hmm. a third board. And it goes on like that. And it's kind of, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's hard to get on that first board, uh, um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, uh, you know, do you think, uh, um, uh, do you think that, uh, uh, that companies should do more, try to get the, you know, to, to have one person suggest to be mentoring programs, I guess, to try to get women, uh, have more experience so they can get on corporate boards. Yeah, I think, I think that, um, I think it's a, it's a legitimate concern. Uh, I think. I think that um, there are also some some counterbalancing factors. Obviously, uh, these companies are owned by shareholders, uh, and uh, the shareholders, um, if you know, they should be expressing their preferences about what is most important to to them as investors uh, for their for you know for their investment, uh, you, know, you know, their their whatever value they're trying to get out of their investment. And so, I think I think that. You know, we should uh, we should definitely be um, preserving autonomy <clears throat> for companies and boards to decide. You know what, uh, who they're going to choose for board seats. But it's a fair point that that uh, that there can you you can construct a pipeline, if you will, uh, through mentoring programs and so forth to uh, to make sure that there are uh, you know plenty of of uh, women candidates. I, I think that I think that there is uh, you know the potential for a little bit of a slippery slope. Uh, you know, we've got in, on, in the political sphere, we have the, the politics of identity that, that is uh, spoken of. Uh, I think that um, that's also, um, you know, a potential problem in the corporate arena as well. I think you want, you want to try to get the best people. And, uh, and there are certainly plenty of great, um, great uh, female candidates, uh, women who are coming up through the ranks. I mean, if you look at, if you look at who is at, at the university, you know, in uh, studying accounting, for example, mm-hmm. uh, I think there are probably more women now who are studying accounting than there are men. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so over time, uh, I think that I think the market, you know, to the extent that women want to get on boards and that uh, the shareholders want that to happen, I, I don't see any reason why it it can't happen over over time. Yeah, it seems like there's kind of this very clubby, male-oriented uh, board structure in a, in a lot of corporate America, and it's it's kind of difficult to break that up. But one of the things we're seeing more of are these shareholder proposals by these uh, a lot of public pension fund type investors mm-hmm. and some few gadflies that try are trying to get uh, that the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, is is you know basically allowing these proposals to be considered, even though companies object to them. Which would allow uh, um, a um, uh, you know shareholders to vote on whether the company should not put more women on the board. That's that's too aggressive apparently mm-hmm. for uh, the powers that be to allow, but to allow them to have companies uh, uh, think about finding women in their pool of potential candidates. So mm-hmm. they should so, be looking so at women and diversity as part of their bylaw, basically. Yeah. So so that they're 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 required to to have them in the pool. Um, regardless of 
who comes out at the other right. on, on the board. Right. You get yeah. like, you know, ultimately maybe you pick a male candidate uh, to be the director, but you've, you've, you've interviewed, you know, two or three women out of, you know, I don't know, eight possible candidates mm -hmm. and a, maybe a minority or two as part of the, uh, as part of the search. Uh, maybe they'll find a woman candidate that'll work. But uh, one thing is clear, there's still going to be a lot of men on boards and there'll be more shareholder proposals this year on uh, on uh, trying to get women directors onto boards, uh, even though through this kind of indirect approach. And uh, this has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, Professor uh, Schultzka, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to chat with us. Uh, would you be up, up for doing this again? You can find some more Bordex data to chat about. Absolutely. This is, has been great. It's a pleasure to, to uh, speak with you. And, uh, and uh, I look forward to the next time. All right. This has been Ron Oral, and you've been listening to the Activist Investor Today podcast. Thanks for taking the time.